all you creeps out there. Time for another episode of the show. And in this one, Dr. Ange and I are back, and we are going to talk about Night Force. And this is going to be the conclusion of uh, uh, Marv Wolfman's first uh, arc, which was called The Summoning. And we had a blast talking about this one, and we really enjoyed it. So uh, stay tuned for uh, our thoughts on uh, that and uh, those three issues in the first arc overall. to obey the evil one. Master of the devils of darkness. See the macabre blood sacrifice to Satan himself. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bronze Age of Horror Comics. And I'll be covering the last uh, two, well, two and a half issues of Night Force, uh, continuing and finishing off the first storyline, The Summoning. And to do that, I have my compadre here, Dr. Ange, to help me. How are you, man? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, I can't wait to finish this off. This uh, The ending of this gets pretty nutty, um, so I hope everybody's strapped in. <laughs> yes it does uh but i'll tell you what you know we we're just talking offline here for a minute and i couldn't stop reading this couldn't stop turning the pages i really really was sucked into this um and i feel like it's going to be one of those things that i'll even enjoy on a reread you know very often so what do you think yeah yeah you know i i as i've said this is like one of those storylines that probably about like once every five or six years i pull it out and i see something new every time and I will also tell you that I bought it off the rack when I was a little Dr. Ange, and, um, and there's a moment in here that freaked me out when I was 13, and I will tell you about it when uh, when we hit it here, because it freaked me out again. Mm, yeah, I was. there was a couple of scenes in this that I was just like, wow, and, and we'll get to our buddy Jack. He's uh, He gets himself into a, a lifelong pickle here. This isn't like yes. a... <laughs> this isn't exactly. something that's like... Well, in a week or two, it'll be okay. Now he's screwed for the rest of his yeah. life. He's in big trouble, but he kind of deserves it, so it's okay. <laughs> so, yeah, let's start out here with uh, Night Force number six, and this is a cover date of January 1983, and we have uh, a cover here by Gene Cole and Bob Smith, you know, the perennial team here. So what do you think of this cover? I really like this one quite a bit. What do you think? Yeah, you, you know, it, uh, this book is sort of split between what's happening with Baron Winter in Georgetown and what's happening with his night force as they sort of travel the world. And so this is a Baron Winter-centric one. And and there definitely has been a skull motif um, throughout this book. This one's really good. He obviously is being chased. And it's interesting to see the cops kind of like walking through the gaping maw of the skull. Mm. Yeah, and it's a, it's a green background. You know, with a, and it almost is like this huge skull, and there's almost like a light protruding from behind it and inside the skull. Like you said, there's a couple of cops, and uh, you know, uh, our buddy here, uh, <clears throat> uh, what's his name? Oh, Detective Short. And yeah, really, really neat cover. And Merlin's there, like he's ready to pounce on the cops. It's it's really great. I, just fantastic cover. I mean, great detail. I mean, I wouldn't expect anything less from Gene Cole. Like the Baron's ring. There's like this little demonic face on his ring and everything. Really great. 
Yeah. And again, it's, you know, you're thinking back to the time when this was out, right? You had to grab somebody's eyes on the spinner rack, right? And so this mm -hmm. totally would. This is, this is grabbing. Yeah. Yeah. This is something I'm just, it would blow me away. And again, I love the Night Force logo. It is super cool. It's almost like, uh, almost looks like it's chiseled out of stone, the letters or something like that, maybe. And then in the O for Night Force is a skull, which I love that. Whoever thought of that, brilliant. Yeah. Love it, love it, love it. So, all right, well, let's get into this one here. So here we are. Uh, our buddy, uh, Marvelous Marv Wolfman, is uh, the writer. And Gene Cullen Pencils, Bob Smith Inks, and Colors by Michelle Wolfman, and Letters by Todd Klein. And my good buddies over at the uh, DC Fandom website do not have a synopsis for this. So I had to write one myself. So that really annoyed the hell out of me. So <laughs> it was like, oh, man, I have to go back to doing work. This is This is not good. So... So, all right, well, bear with me. So, uh, <clears throat> as Jack and Donovan get tossed in a cell across the complex, we see Vanessa strapped to a machine about to be put to the test by Professor Valdez and his psychics. The psychic energy swirls around the room like a cyclone, and then we see serpents rise from the floor and begin to terrorize everyone. The serpents begin to roam around the complex as well and attack anyone and everyone, even Donovan and Jack. Back in Georgetown, the police raid Baron Winter's home, but he escapes through one of his mysterious doorways. Okay, so, all right. That's, that's, that's you know, in a roundabout way what we're looking at here, but why don't we start out right away at this first page here where we see our, uh, our two sort of heroes getting uh, chucked into this cell here. That's a pretty good uh, page right there, right? Yeah, you, you know, as I said last time, I don't quite understand why these guys are left alive, but, you know, uh, <laughs> but it is, it's, you know, it's a good vantage point for the screen. You really feel like they're getting thrown. And I think, you know, they do a good job with the colors, Michelle Wolfman, by differentiating the bad guys are in drab green and our heroes are in bright colors, purple and blue. So easy to differentiate. Yeah, and it's got a really awesome uh, masthead up the top there. You know, it has the Night Force logo and the summoning Chapter 6. And in this, like, pink with the red outline, the devil her do. So really, really cool. It's it's uh, it's it's very eye-catching and very mysterious. Like, oh, boy, you know the crap is going to hit the fan in this one. <laughs> yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we have our two, uh, you know, guys getting chucked in there and, uh, Donovan, uh, really, he is, uh, has a problem with the one guy here. Uh, I love on a uh, story page two, where he kind of says to him, he's like, going to get, a, he's going to get back at this, this, uh, these guys and this shenanigans because they're responsible for his wife's death. And the guy, he looks like the biggest, like, uh, dork ever, which, you know, I can say that cause I'm kind of a nerd too. You know, it's just the way it goes, but this guy has these glasses and these buck teeth. It was yeah. like a beaver and he has his uh, rifle. And he hits Donovan right in the head with it. Doesn't knock him out, but knocks him silly. And he's like, I'll pay you back for that, mister. Somehow I'll break through these damn bars and get you. <laughs> yeah. He kind of looks like the mole man. Oh, you know? yeah. He does. So, so, <laughs> or the underminer, you know, <laughs> from yeah. the Incredibles. But, uh, yeah. but yeah. And I think it's interesting that, you know, Donovan is very good at, at shifting blame, right? His wife got immolated by the demon that he released from Vanessa, right? Am I remembering uh -huh. that? Yeah, I think he should look in the mirror if he's looking for yeah. his wife's killer. <laughs> so, I mean, after this guy hits him in the head with, a you know, the butt of a rifle, I'd want to get him back for that. Yeah. But to blame these two goons and anybody else here, uh, yeah, no, it's really not their fault, dude. <laughs> exactly. 
But uh, yeah, we switched scenes right over there uh, to uh, the Professor Valdez, who, you know, he was this nice, assuming, unassuming looking older man, like, oh, I'm your grandpappy here. It was being all nice to uh, Vanessa. And then all of a sudden, you know, strapped her into this crazy machine. It was like, you know, hey, I'm going to be uh, uh, controlling your powers here. We're going to, you know, we're going to set you off. And she's, of course, like flipping out, like, you know, I-, I can't control what happens to me, she even says. And he's like, I shall do the controlling. And what do you think of this scene here, too, where he like basically shows her what was going on outside in D.C. with all these people being killed and like attacked by these monsters and demons that were basically you know coming from her psyche? Yeah. You know, first of all, they do such a great job of going from that, you know, as you say, like grandfatherly. And then he just outright tells her, you know, get ready. You're going to experience a rather painful several hours. Right. So this isn't like, (laughs) oh, we're going to like do you a favor here. You're going to be tortured. And then Mm -hmm. I almost feel like, you know, this would be a tough comic to pick up. If Night Force number six was the first issue that you picked up of the storyline, it would be hard. Like, I feel this page was a very good, let me do my very best to um, to try Recap. to catch you up to speed, you know, if, yeah. you're, if you're the first thing. And I think it's good because, uh, again, they reiterate this this idea that the form these things take is all because she was fed that satanic ritual imagery from Cain, right? That this is just mm-hmm. like, energy that is being coalesced for by her imagination mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i love how he's showing her these photos and i'm thinking yeah. who took who took these photos but but <laughs> it, it, anyhow he kind of goes off and says you know kane delve deeper into your mind freeing all restraints with his pseudo sane cult ceremonies such theatrics from a distinguished scientist they weren't necessary you know and then he says something here that i i think i kind of agree with this old nut but you Americans are so influenced by your Hollywood movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Those experiments worked. The monsters you created were now solid and deadly. And Dr. Kane's wife was killed by you, my dear, as were so many others. And she's like, you know, obviously she was going through like terrible pain and anguish. And, you know, she saw what was going on maybe in the lab itself. But now for the first time, she's seeing what went on outside, which was. 10 times worse than what happened in the lab or at least or at least before that night where you know kane's wife was killed but yeah she's like you know really you can tell it's hitting her really hard yeah and uh uh, they even you know show like somebody being devoured right so these are Mm -hmm. like horrific images and again if you think that what what she imagines is what becomes reality like i don't necessarily know if you would want to like reinforce this stuff. Mm, yeah. And then he also makes mention of how she destroyed their, uh, uh, the outside of London, the, uh, uh Russian uh, embassy as well. And you see some people being just like, I don't even know what you say. It happened to yeah. them. Like, fry. Like <laughs> they almost look like they're, yeah. Fried or exploding from the heat. It's pretty gross looking. Yeah. <laughs> mm, but what about this machine? He has her strapped into as well. Like on page, uh, story page five there, he's got her strapped into this machine. And it really looks kind of funky. It's got all these like crazy geometric shapes and everything. It's pretty wild. Yeah, it, it's, it, you know, it it looks like modern art made out of junk, which I, but uh, as he said last time, it, you know, it somehow was like the magic shape that is necessary to absorb her energy. So I guess it's like just inspired, um, but it's really weird looking. It looks like something out of, I think, like Willy Wonka, to be honest. 
Yeah, I wonder if this was something that, you know, Wolfman and Colin kind of collaborated on, or this was just Wolfman saying, hey, draw some kind of crazy machine, and this is just what sprung out of Gene's mind? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and then, oh boy, he's like, uh, yes, you know, I'm going to do what I want here, and we're going to do all this nonsense, and he claps his hands, and here come all the crazy psychics, where we saw some of them in a previous issue, but not all of them that, you know, have been uh, being trained there. You know, I, I think they tried to play it out in, initially when we saw them as if, you know, oh, we're, you know, we're uh, trying to, you know, get these people to realize their potential. But really, they're they were being uh, turned into weapons. Exactly. You know, it was almost like the super KGB. Um, mm -hmm. and, and here they all come to sort of to help, you know, unlock her mind. Mm -hmm. And you know what it really reminded me of? I don't know if you've ever seen this movie. I think it came out maybe 10 or 12 years ago. It was called Push. Oh, it yeah. Was, you've seen that? Well, that kind of reminded me of this where the, you know, the people had all these crazy psychic powers and stuff like that. It was called the division, the division that was the like government nebulous agency that was all like, you know, training them to be weapons, basically. Yeah, it's funny for me, like the top of page seven, when they're all sort of standing there and like concentrating on Vanessa to make her go to sleep, it kind of reminded me of like Village of the Damned, you know, that old oh, yeah. movie with the kids with the white hair and they all mm. have telepathic powers. Mm -hmm. uh, yep, that was a good movie. <laughs> there was yeah. a couple of those, uh, Village of the Damned, and I can't remember what the other one was called, but yeah. there was a couple of them there in the early 60s that were fantastic. Really, really loved it. But yeah, he's uh, basically says to her, you know, she's like, I won't do this. And he's like, you will have no choice. You cannot hold back. And like I said, all those psychics just kind of close their eyes and start concentrating their power and saying sleep, 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 sleep. And, you know, she's you know pretty powerful. But all of them put together, they basically make her go to sleep. And of course, you know, when you're asleep, you can't help what you do either. You know, what I mean, it is what it is. So her mouth and eyes and nose like this. Uh, pink mist starts flowing from them and it's it's creepy yeah i, I think it's uh wolfman obviously you know comics are words and images and so wolfman says she has been psychically violated and those those are powerful words right when you're mm -hmm. violated you know um and then like you say the energy just starts pouring out of her yeah it's crazy and then uh, on that next page you, you just see her in this chair and this like there's a little bit of a demonic face and almost like a hand or hands, maybe a hand coming down on the, the right hand side of the page there. And it's really creepy looking face. And it says her insides rupture as ectoplasmic entrails ooze upward and outward from her eyes and nostrils and mouth, which sounds completely disgusting. <laughs> yeah, sounds sounds gross. And again, like we've said all along, it's like bright yellows and bright pinks and magentas. It's you know, and all without black lines, right? It's it's mm -hmm. just color, um, which I think just adds to how weird it all is. Yeah, and I can't think of anything else before this where they, you know, had artwork like this to, you know, convey this. I, I can't, I mean, I haven't read every comic book ever, obviously, and it's not even close, and I've never really read any, like, uh, you know, underground kind of stuff. But to me, this is this is really groundbreaking, the way this was, you know, featured here. Yeah, maybe you would see one panel do something like this. But in this book, it's page after page, which um, which I think is one of the things that has kind of made this such an interesting read to come back to, because I still don't see, you know, this, um, you know, since I've read this. Um, it's still very unique. Yeah, and you see the psychics kind of arm in arm that are, you know, just still kind of uh, trying to, uh, you know, induce all this and then 
we see the professor here. It does say, even as their joyous mentor relishes the swirling vortex with childlike glee, success, he thinks, is his. But he kind of looks like he's getting off on this a little bit. The yeah, guy he, like he, he does. He does. And, <laughs> and, and there'll be more suggestive language and suggestive images coming up. But, you know, it's like they're being buffeted by a hurricane. You can see their hair is whipping around. His glasses get blown off. This is not like, oh, we're just watching this. Like there is a physical manifestation to the power that's whirling around. Yeah, in pages 9 and 10, it really takes hold because we see this you know, huge, crazy, demonic face amongst the swirling, you know, uh, colors. And then here we go with these insane, like, I don't know if they look like, you know, anacondas or whatever. I'm not a reptile expert or anything, but it yeah. looks like one of those really creepy, crazy, horrible looking snakes that you never really want to run into, like out in the wild. Yeah. Um, and again, bright, bright magenta but demonic yeah. huge fangs and huge right like they can mm -hmm. like, they can coil around you know humans yeah uh, they got to be like 20 or 30 feet long and you know five feet wide they're giant yeah because they're basically whatever she can imagine you know i mean they could be 10 feet long they could be 100 feet long whatever yeah. she's you know got cooking in her brain but right away it grabs the professor here and it doesn't know i don't know if he's you realizes what's going on or he's still in his you know ecstasy from uh seeing all this craziness but it grabs him and it seems like it's <laughs> seems like it's gonna like you know squeeze the crap out of him but here we get some of that uh you know uh, language you were talking about here in these caption boxes some of this uh suggestive stuff yeah yeah you know first of all you know uh on the the page before when all of this starts to manifest it basically says she has one thought now she wishes to kill right they have stripped away any humanity she's got she has been tortured all of her life and now that anger comes out and then yes i mean i'm going to try to read this in the least salacious way possible but when you read it it's you know and you can imagine again like um like i said i was in my i was 13 when this came out you know maybe mm -hmm. i was 12 based upon the fact that yeah i was 12 reading this you know there's like naked satanic orgies in like the second issue right <laughs> you know if yeah. you're a 12 year old boy you're like huh and then you know the 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 language here is so good so good the feeling so strong getting stronger stronger so good so very good pleasing moist i mean moist you know <laughs> can't stop now don't stop now don't keep it up Keep it up. Reach out. It feels so good. It's like, oh my gosh! Like it reads like a little, you know. Yeah. Here, but then it ends with it feels so good to destroy, right? And you just see these snakes are just like ripping everything apart. Yeah, and the sound effect says whoosh, and it's like yeah. almost like an explosion, or like a, one of the snakes is breathing fire or something. But yeah, I'm thinking, man, if I would have been a kid reading this, I would have been thinking to myself. I'm probably not supposed to be reading this. Yeah, yeah. Why do I feel? Well, yeah, you know. Why do I feel so funny? You know. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then wow, holy moly! On page eleven, Colin and Smith, uh, man, they really go bananas here. And I guess uh, Michelle Wolfman with the colors as well. And you basically get a perspective shot from maybe the ceiling of this room, and you're yeah. looking downwards at this crazy machine. You can see the psychics. You can see uh, Vanessa. And just this swirling psychic energy and this demonic face and like a hand, like a clawed hand on the right hand side. Wow, this is just incredible. Yeah, yeah. The perspective of it is really what's great. And if you remember, I think when they described this room, they were like, it's eight, it's eight floors and each floor is like 70 feet tall. So 
this thing is huge. It's it's just a massive uh, demonic beast uh, just sort of whipping around. Yeah, and I love me some purple prose. You know, Marv Wolfman, this hellish nightmare born of corrupted innocence. God have mercy on them all. God save them all. A cacophony <laughs> of wild, untamed screams and the roar of things that cannot be. But under it all, so very quiet yet unmistakable, the deep giggling of a very frightened young woman. And I'm like, giggling? What? <laughs> yeah, I think that I think this is it. It's like you could imagine that if Vanessa has been, you know, um, what do I want to say? Restrained and imprisoned and experimented on all of her life. And this is the first time that she's like, forget it. I'm just going to let loose. She probably is feeling a little bit giddy, right? For once, mm -hmm. she is really in control. Um, of what's going on, even if it is this surge of murderous evil energy. Yeah, and it's funny too because I did forget to mention. Well, I didn't forget to mention this. I thought we'd be better if we would talk about this. So at this point, uh, the the captions start to uh, tell us what uh, Vanessa and this you know demonic force within her, or that she's controlling, or is maybe partially controlling her. Whatever, however you want to word it, starts to seek out Jack because. Our buddy, the professor, uh, had some words with Vanessa before he brought in the psychics and they fired up this machine because she was still under the impression like, oh, Jack's a hero. You know, he loves me. It's great. He's a you know, he's this and he's that. She was thinking, you know, he was this, you know, white knight. And Professor Valdis was like, yeah, he most certainly is not. And she didn't seem to take the words, you know, to heart that he was saying. But I think deep down, either she was or this uh, demonic uh, beast is, right? Yeah. I mean, he the, that professor, you know, in the caption, you you are reminded, he said it to her. Donovan Kane said it to her, right? Like the, the fake FBI agent said it to her. And so I think that she's starting to come to the realization, like, if all of these people are saying that Jack is kind of a scumbag, maybe he is. And he isn't the hero that I thought he was. Yeah, it's it, you, you see these caption boxes. It says Jack Gold is not my friend. Donovan Kane is not my friend. And then, you know, like very like almost like yelling Jack Gold is not my friend. And there's this demonic hand like smashing the crap out of a wall. I'm like, oh, boy, they're in trouble. Because, yeah. again, at this point, you know, when somebody's imagination, you know, you can just do anything. There's no way of stopping that. There's nothing that's going to stop that. Yeah. And and again, the, the this is with. Uh, all of these other weird snake things just like, you know, popping up out of the ground everywhere. So it, she is destroying the place. He, the, he says it, you know, it's like the walls shatter, crumbling to the ground like fabled Jericho, right? There's something old mm. testament about what is happening here. Yeah, and it's great, too, because it, I like on the same page or the bottom panel, the, the security guys here, the, the goon squad is like, you know, what are they going to do? I mean, they don't seem to try to use their guns to try to shoot yeah. these snakes, which I, I think we'll try that first. But OK, that probably wouldn't work. And the one guy says, I've got an idea. And the mole man says it had better be a damn good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And their sure. idea is, yeah, we're going to go get a golden cane and say to them, like, yo, calm your girlfriend down here uh, because, you know, she's going berserk and the place is going wild. Oh, I guess on page uh, 13 there they do try to shoot the snakes and it doesn't look like it has any effect. Yeah. No effect. Mm, and it kills that one guy. <laughs> it just like it, it, it turns him to ash, like with a simple touch, like he is there one panel and gone the next, just a pile of dust. Yeah. You just see him scream and all that's left is a leg and, and 
a hand and wrist and a gun flying through and it just says ah and then whoosh and then that's it there's nothing yeah there's nothing left of him on page 14 except for a couple of pieces of his jacket or something yeah <laughs> the mole man he just takes off and runs away he's he's smarter than that he's like okay i can see i'm uh, out of my depth here time to run yeah, and try, yeah. to, try to escape but page 14 here, I like how the serpent that's chasing uh, Jack and Donovan uh, begins to speak to them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want you gold. You betrayed me. I want to destroy you. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and again, poor Donovan, like we'll see by the end of this, uh, you know, he really takes the worst physically um, of what this is, but he's still limping along because he gets shot in the leg. Uh, last issue, so you know it's hard to run away from giant snakes <laughs> when when you got a bum wheel. Yeah, like like you were saying, what happens to him probably should have happened to Jack. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. So, all right, well then, okay, switch scenes like a, a big switch here, and we see the police cars and uh, uh, Detective Elliot Short outside of uh, the Baron's mansion here, and I really do like this too. It's it left you on, uh, you know, on the edge with what's going on back at the complex uh, in Russia and brings you to this scene here, too. I really do like that. Like you even said when we started about how it kind of bounces back and forth between the two, uh, basically the two storylines. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because it's different sorts of tension. Right. Like the the other stuff mm-hmm. is truly like bananas, you know, slasher monster movie type stuff. And this mm-hmm. is like a police procedural, right? They're like, yeah. we think that he kidnapped that girl. We're going to go in there with a warrant. We're going to like, you know, search his house. Um, and of course we know that the Baron can't really leave the house. So there is some sort of like, how is he going to get out of this? Yeah. And it's interesting to me how he still carries on like a full on conversation with Merlin. And, yeah. we, and we don't get to see obviously what he's, you know, air quotes saying to the Baron, but you can kind of figure it out. And I do at one point like how he just, oh, shut up, Merlin. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> he just always like, don't be sarcastic and don't dare say I told you so. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. really like that. Some really good dialogue there between the Baron and Merlin. Yeah. And then at some point, like Merlin must give him the right idea because he's like, oh, you know, um, what should I do? Oh, yes, that's brilliant. And then he's like, shut up again. Right. I just love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, Detective Short and these two cops, or I'm sorry, maybe there's three of them. They come into his house and, of course, he's hiding. So they start looking around and, you know, it's a pretty creepy old house and they come into one of the rooms and there's, you know, a book sitting there open. There are some skulls. There's almost like a mad scientist little chemistry set here. What do you think of that scene? Yeah. You know, um, it, we haven't seen much of this mansion. And so I, I really like the, the, the pages that come up. So, you know, first of all, the cop is, it, you know, pulls out a cigarette lighter to, to like, <laughs> look what's happening in this room. I guess there's no... There's no light switch, but this does have a feel of like almost like something Dr. Doom would have, right? There's a mix of magic and science. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really neat scene. And there is a, uh, a panel on that page there, 18, where the one cop has, you know, the, the light, you know, the cigarette lighter up there lit up and it's pu- completely dark behind him. And you can only see one of his eyes and like part of his face. I really like that panel a lot. I think that's a great job there. Yeah, it's funny. He looks scared, right? He's like, what am I seeing here? And then you realize, like, dude, like, at least you're not in that science city. Then you would be really scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they'd uh, they'd be earning their pay there, too, <laughs> for <Yeah>. sure, right? <laughs> but, yeah, it's, you know, they, then they go into his bedroom, 
and he's got this very uh, fancy, ornate bed, and, and they make uh, comments about that. Well, I'll be early Cleopatra pattern after Liz Taylor. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah, and it's funny because um, this looks more Egyptian, right? So that other one mm -hmm. looks more like, you know, a hammer horror set. And this looks much more like um, uh, of the Egyptian style. And they say, I don't understand this house, sir. Every room is decorated in a different style and none of it matches. And that's probably because Baron Winters has lived long enough that he's either seen all of these different ages or maybe there are portals in all of these rooms that are akin to what the room is, right? Like maybe yeah, those time period. periods. Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe there's a door in this one that opens up to Egypt. Right. So, so who knows, but yeah, I thought man. that was very cool to get a good understanding of what his house is like. Yeah. It's really good. It's fantastic. You know, Wolfman and Colin here, that was a, that was a good call for them to do that. But, Oh, uh, officer Lombardi here. He's uh, sir. I hear something behind this door and <laughs> Elliot, yeah. why don't you open it, Lombardi? And he goes, uh, I thought it would open it by itself, sir. And he goes, help <laughs> it along, Lombardi, will you? And he goes, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. He opens it, and here comes uh, Merlin. <laughs> yeah, nothing like a jaguar jumping out at you from a closet to, you know, scare the crap out of you. <laughs> yeah, holy Hannah, the cop says, and he dives out of the way. And uh, Baron Winter says, don't hurt them, Merlin. Let's go. And you just see him in a doorway, and then a huge, crazy, bright light shining through the doorway. And uh, Detective, I'm sorry, yeah, it was a Detective Elliot or whatever he says. You know, let's get away. He's getting away. Let's go after him. And <laughs> the one cop, please, sir, don't go through. And he's like, <laughs> Lombardi, you're following me. Or I swear you'll be walking to Southeast Beat every night for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, it's so fantastic. Tell me, as a, as a horror buff, that, that scene with Winter's, in uh in complete shadow before the light comes up mm. right looks like dracula it does very right? much so and i wonder if that was like maybe like you know you know wolfman and colon being like oh let's like you know bring back some of the old we'll put the band back together <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah maybe like a little homage there for sure yeah. yeah wow you turn the page though and this is one crazy creepy scene because i mean obviously this is a comic book and it's like horror and fantasy and stuff like that but i can't even like wrap my head around this that if there was a house like this that existed and i opened one of the doors and went rushing in and arrived in this time yeah yeah <laughs> holy know. crap they, they give us a hint on the page before that it's like, you know, oh, you know, the, the furniture in this room is from the 14th century France. And then you turn around and you're in 14th century France, um, mm -hmm. the time of the Black Plague. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is one crazy you know, splash page here. You see uh, a rat and, and chewing on this like corpse of a woman, I think, laying there. And there's yeah. just other people like you know, falling down, dying, and somebody on a horse in the background. And of course, these cops are like, looking like, holy crap, what did we walk into? And I thought, yeah, what do you do at this point? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, clearly the woman in the middle of the street is dead. But even the people that are like, they appear to still be alive are like, gray, right? You know, this is just, this is, you know, this is a site of a horrific pandemic. And then just like you said before, right, there's that purple prose, the sickening sight of blood hungry rodents whipping madly away at decaying human flesh, as is the packed dirt road thick with the tainted blood of all those newly dead. 
right? You know, he's mm. laying it on thick, but again, words and images together, it's, you know, it's what makes comics so special. Yeah, Detective Short and company are struck dumbly silent. There is nothing they can possibly say. Uh, pretty true there. And I do, again, you got to call out Michelle Wolfman here. The coloring here is fantastic. It's, yeah, like you said, the, 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 the people in the background are like this grayish, you know, like half dead kind of color. And there's like an archway and some buildings and houses in the background and like three or four people. Like I said, a guy on a horse, these rats, and then the cops they look really neat. Like, you know, it almost looks like there's shadow behind them, but like detective short, he's like a purple with all this, you know, shading. And one of the other cops there is like a, a pinkish magenta. And then a couple of them with their weapons pointing. Wow. Really, really great job there. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely stand out as like, you know, if, if everything in there is mostly like gray and muted, they're like pastel. And I think that that just kind of shows like they don't belong there. Yeah. And then, oh, wow. On the next page, you see a wagon full of dead bodies, which is pretty gross. Yeah. Uh, and the cops are just standing there like they have no idea what to do. And we see uh, Baron Winters. He's kind of around a corner with Merlin. And he does say something here that kind of makes me think, really? He says, Lord Merlin, I never suspected he'd follow us back here. And I'm thinking, why not, dude? You're like, you know, I don't want to say a wanted fugitive, but they were coming there to like, you know, arrest you or take you for questioning to the the police station why wouldn't they follow you in there they don't know what's going to go there yeah exactly right they're not used to thick time portals and you ran through a door so <laughs> yeah so he's just like well, well we're going to do something right uh, again he's talking to merlin here baron winters yes yes i know that was foolish to say of course i'll do something once I figure out what. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, it's, he's not exactly like the best person, the Baron, because he says, you know, I guess I could leave them here and they could die of the plague and then I wouldn't have to worry about them. Right? And, then, <laughs> and that's when he's like, I know I, that was foolish to say. Right. Um, but it was kind of funny that he thought about it. Yeah. And then right on that same page, <clears throat> Science City and Vanessa at last, we are one. And this final page, again, it's another one of these huge pages where it's this crazy looking demon creature and Vanessa's looking up at it. And I, again, love the coloring and the artwork and shading here. Everything's fantastic. And her eyes are almost like a green color. Yeah. And there's somebody, a couple of people hanging on from like these rafters. And this crazy demon is says, I will destroy our enemies, Vanessa, all our enemies. Yeah. Just a fantastic, just a great cliffhanger. And, you know, whenever we do these things, I always say, like, what page would I, I want to own? It's this page. I mean, this is just awesome. Yeah, really good stuff. And to be continued in the Night Force number seven on sale November 18th. <laughs> so, yeah, really, really good one there. So, yeah, two thumbs up. Great cliffhanger. It, it's going to get you to buy this next issue for sure. There's without a doubt you're going to the store in a month and you're looking for Night Force number seven. Yeah, yeah. This is the one that I think it kind of, you know, it was like a horror, uh, you know, this was obviously a horror book, but the front end of this issue is true, like, it's horrific, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it is like giant monsters and people being ripped apart. Yeah, it, which means it's great. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I loved every second of it, there's no doubt. <laughs> for, us, for us morbid comic book fans, it's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, all right, well, on to Night Force uh, number seven. And this one's a uh, cover dated February 1983. And again, Gene Colan, Bob Smith cover here. So what do you think of this cover here? This one, 
there are certain things I like about it and some things I really don't like about it, but you, you first. Okay, so the first thing I'll say is that as we've been going over many of these Night Force covers, there seems to be one predominant color on prior ones. Like the last one was green, and there was one before that was mostly purple, right? And mm -hmm. so this one is the one that I think is like the most varied color palette. Um, there doesn't seem to be that sort of like, um, what I want to say, frame of, of one particular color. The thing that I really like about this, you might remember that when we read the first issue, I said, oh, look at the three of them are like walking in the middle of the snow. We're going to see that later. Mm. And, uh, and this is that picture. So you say like, oh, you know, Wolfman probably had the whole thing laid out and told Colin. So it kind of matched, I think, what was on the splash page of the first issue. Um, but... Uh, uh, but that's the thing that kind of stuck out to me was that we had kind of foreshadowed this. Tell me what you don't like about it or tell me what you think of it. I'm, I'm interested in hearing. Well, I'll be honest. I don't really care for the whole science city in the background here. I would almost yeah. would rather it was just a winter scene behind them, like them trying to get away through like uh, the, the snow and ice and that uh, demonic uh, creature, you know, busting through. It almost looks like it's busting through a mountain. But there's not yeah. a mountain there. It's just that science city is there. Like if that would have just been like, yeah, like a whole mountain back there. Cause I don't, I don't really, I liked the shot from the, I think it was issue five where it showed science city for the first time. There was not a far away shot, but far enough that it wasn't this quite this close up. I don't think. And it showed it and the layout looked pretty neat and interesting, but I don't know. This just looks a little odd to me. And the pyramid shaped thing almost kind of throws me off a little looking like Egyptian or something. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I think, um, uh, you know, th these are good points, right? Because um, what do I want to say? It's a mix of science and horror, right? And so I, yeah. uh, again, I always try to put in the mind of like, if, if would this cover incite me to buy this as the first Night Force issue that I would buy? And I think that it's sort of like, I don't know how to marry all of these elements together. It's probably too confusing. So I'm going to pass. So, so maybe that's what you like. It's like giant demon weird you know futuristic city how do those things mesh yeah the demon i love the demon and i like uh, you know the three characters as well and then yeah. like i said the, the mountains and the snow and all stuff like that it's just the the science city part that kind of has me a little you know thrown off it's just like yeah. eh, i would have rather something else there but again still it's a pretty darn good cover no i'm not really gonna <laughs> complain yeah, about yeah. it complain about it too hard <laughs> so all right well this is uh uh, once again, you know, script, Marv Wolfman, and pencils, Gene Colan, inks, Bob Smith, colors, Michelle Wolfman, and letters, Todd Klein. So the same, uh, you know, same creative team from before. And uh, I'll just jump into this here quick, and then we'll dive into the book. So uh, as Vanessa lays on the floor, seemingly helpless to stop the psychic manifestations that are running wild, the people running the facility are being murdered by the serpents. Jack initially leaves Donovan behind, but he curls around back to him to save him from certain death. But in doing so, he leaves himself open to attack, and the demon, speaking for Vanessa, wants revenge for his mistreatment of her, as she believes he used her for sex days earlier. Meanwhile, the Baron and the police are struggling to survive the Black Plague. <laughs> All right, so again, splash pages and full page, you know, art, you, you get them a plenty here. The first page is always a good one, and this is uh, the summoning chapter seven, Apocalypse. What do you think of that splash page there? Yeah, just fantastic, right? Mm -hmm. Just fantastic. Again, the, you know, we hear the same line. We are one now, Vanessa, and I will destroy our enemies, all our enemies. But what I think is interesting here is, again, 
no black lines, just reds and yellows and pinks to manifest this crazy energy. And you really almost have to kind of squint to sort of say like, is that a face in there? Is that a tongue sticking out? Is that a mouth? It's like, you just get the sense it's roiling miasma of energy that like occasionally now and then you make out something, you know, humanoid. Um, uh, I just love it. It's just so great. Yeah, it's really, really good. And yeah, you kind of... It's not that you can't tell what's going on, but it, it's just like, you know, nebulous enough that you, you really don't know what you're looking at. And you just know there's big trouble here. It's a scary yeah. scene. That's all you need to know. <laughs> exactly. All coming out of her. She's at the mm -hmm. page. Yeah. 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 And it still does. You know, the, the, the pink uh, part of this, you can still see it is coming out of her mouth and her eye still. Yeah. As if, you know, it's like it's never going to detach itself from her. It, it almost is always just continuously uh, attached to her, but, you know, part of her and coming out of her to wreak havoc. And holy moly, again, pages two and three here, two pages that just have so much action going on. I love the panel layouts on these two pages, too. It, it's very easy to see where the action is and where it's going. Really, really good stuff here by Gene. And of course, again, more great dialogue with Marv and. Uh, you know, again, uh, I'm a sucker for, uh, you know, purple prose. I, I, I love it. <laughs> I can't get yeah. enough. It, it, you know, I just have to say, uh, uh, and again, I don't want to read the entire book, but that third page, uh, you know, uh, she really complains about doctors. And so I thought that that was funny, right? You know, she, mm -hmm. how many doctors have examined her, probed her, embarrassed her. The doctors were the first to inflict the pain. They are the first to be embraced with ripe, raw passions. Yes they are to be the first, the doctors. And you just <laughs> see these guys in white coats getting like ripped apart, eaten <laughs> by the demon, thrown, right? You know, it, it's crazy. You might be having a nightmare about this tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, was, it was so funny. It was so funny. But one of the things that was going in there that I thought was good was she was like, they had been the first to find her, again, talking about doctors, on that dimly remembered day, standing over her parents' bodies, split open like some gaming foul. We don't know much about her early history, but you can tell like what, you know, these, this energy has been with her since she was a kid. Yes, this is not, she's, she's basically experiencing everything that's happened to her over a course of, you know, a few years right here in this moment. So it's really, I'm sure it's like, you know, they're doing a good job of relaying not only physical pain, but like emotional pain as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's, and that's, you know, that's Wolfman and Colin here because it's the, you know, the, the, the captions are doing it, but so is the, the artwork. It's there. Both of those things are conveying this perfectly. Yeah. Just gorgeous. Yeah. And then that's at the point where we get our boy, Jack, who's like, I'm getting the hex out of here. And yeah. then he, poor Donovan, man, again, he, he is part of this. And he has uh, to to bear some of the blame for this because, again, he was experimenting on Vanessa and trying to do something pretty wild. So, again, his wife's death and what happens to him here, you know, this might be a bit extreme. He's already lost his wife and the mother of his uh, son. But, wow, this serpent here wraps itself around him and then Jack comes back to try to help him. But it's a, a too little too late. Yeah. You know, they, they say that the very touch of these things burn. And, you know, Jack is sort of like, I guess I have to, you know, go back and help him. And then what happens when he tries to pull him out of the grip? The arm comes off. <laughs> oh, man. I know. It's so nasty. 
Yes, yes. <laughs> it's really crazy. Yeah, and, you know, Jack is just like, you know, I don't really know what to do. So, you know, he pulls him. But, yeah, like I said, his arm rips off. And that's, uh, what is that, page six there. Man, yeah. it is it is really nasty looking. And that's when we also see uh, uh, the mole man there, one of the goons, yeah. trying to escape. And in one of those, like, rocket sled kind of Johnny Quest looking things, right? Yeah. Yeah, and they're just like, hey, pal, you know, you're not taking off with the only means of getting out of here. So Jack, who has uh, Donovan that is now missing an arm and a leg, it just chucks him onto the ground and jumps into that thing to try to stop this guy. And then the two of them get into this crazy fight scene. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like James Bond, like or Mission Impossible. Like here's Jack, yeah. this, this like drunk reporter who somehow was able to jump onto a moving rocket sled and, and beat the crap out of this guy. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I guess desperate times. Yeah. It, it's just, it's so funny too. And then, wow, how the uh, 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 rented goon here, how he dies. Oh man, that's nasty. Yeah. Chucked off the back of the sled right into the flames of the rocket. So just burnt to a crisp. <laughs> yep. And then Jack's like, all right, I guess I'll bring the rocket back and pick up Donovan and uh, get out of here. But he tries and he's like putting uh, Donovan into the uh, little rocket sled here. But all of a sudden the, the demon is like literally like, I wouldn't say right in his face, but hovering over him with some ominous words, right? Yeah. First of all, you see the demon towering over that pyramid which we've Ooh. already been told is huge right so this mm -hmm. thing is like godzilla sized <laughs> and then and then it comes down and it says you have violated us jack goal you have used us donovan kane you said you were our friend you are our enemy and we've already seen her kill a, a whole lot of people i don't know uh, i don't know if it's ahead of us or behind us but at one point they say something like a thousand people die and 500 people follow after that, right? So she's racking up murders in, in the four digits. Mm-hmm. And I do uh, enjoy, too, how up until this point, when I hear this demon talking, I hear, like, one of those, like, death metal guy voices. Like, <laughs> you you have violated us, Jack Gold. Uh, no, Jack, Lord, that's Vanessa's voice. So it's yeah. more like. You have violated us, Jack Gold. And it's this crazy demon. That is just crazy. <laughs> That's just because you're right. Before I was reading it, the voice in my head was, was you know, standard, you know, demon from a horror movie. But uh, how crazy <laughs> is that? Yeah, like, uh, the, the you know, the exorcist when the demon's in the little girl or something like yeah. that. That's, that's what I'm thinking. But apparently not because, uh, you know, Jack right away is like, uh oh, wait a minute. That's Vanessa's voice. <laughs> yes. But good spot again to leave you on a cliffhanger and kick back over to uh, France and uh, the, the Black Plague here. This is great. So we see these people hanging out of this, you know, cart full of like corpses and they almost look like zombies. They are really creepy looking. Those are some of the creepiest looking things Gene Collins ever drawn. Yes, yes. You know, carried for a mass burial and they look, you know, skeletal and almost like mutated. You're, you're exactly right. Mm -hmm. And then here comes, a, you know, a bunch of rats after the cops. And I think to myself, listen, there's four cops. You all have guns. And one of you even has a shotgun. Start shoot the rats. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, let's just, let's just run. I'm like, shoot them. I'll bet you they'll just turn. Some of them will turn away if you blast a couple of them. Like, what's wrong yeah. with you? Yeah. <laughs> a shotgun has like a good, you know, dispersal. Right. So, yeah. so 
Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. The shotgun, if you blast that right at those couple you can see in the picture, you'll kill two or three of those easily with one shell. Yeah, yeah. But luckily, Merlin's here. <laughs> yes, giant cat. <laughs> the best mouse death you can get. Yep, and the greatest sound effect ever for a giant cat. Growl. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. And then we get the, the Baron here as well. He comes in with his cane and starts smacking the rats away and says, uh, uh, follow basically he says come with me if you want to live <laughs> exactly exactly and and again you know uh obviously colin is a master you get a shot from like almost like a drone shot looking down mm. at this town and you know i i suppose it was this bad back in the days of the black plague but they're like yeah. narrow streets clogged with the dead and the dying the dead are the lucky ones. Sickness, disease, horror, they drape heavily upon their frail human bodies. And it is almost like a zombie movie. These things are like, help us, you know? So uh, yeah. pretty creepy. Yeah, and then on page 12 there, they look like they have the Baron and the cops surrounded. And look at those people. Man, that is crazy. Oh, yeah. man, they look creepy. Yeah, the, the one in, the, in like the far background on the top panel, looks almost like a blob, right? Like he's like literally decaying in front of them. It's yeah, just, like it's, almost like the heap or something. It's yeah, exactly. I mean, and Gene Colin drew a lot of creepy stuff with Tomb of Dracula and other things over the years. And this is one of the creepiest scenes I've ever seen him draw. Yeah. It, this is, although I don't know here, like on that same page, they look like they're surrounded and the Baron just says, you know, we can't help you. And uh, they're all doomed to die, he says. And he goes, get back. Do you understand me? No, I don't suppose you do. I don't suppose you can afford to. And then all of a sudden, they're all on the ground as if he's just knocked them all to the ground. I don't know, yeah. physically or with some kind of, you know, uh, power of his or something. I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I would have liked to see that conveyed a little bit better there. But again, I'm not going to complain. That's a nitpick. Yeah, I agree with you. They're, maybe they're just so weak that, you know, you don't have to do too much to get them off their feet. Yeah, just a swing of his cane or something. Maybe he knocked them yeah. down or he just pushed them to the ground and there they are yeah. laying there. And There's another good panel there too. It's got the moon in the background and there's uh, Baron Winters and Merlin and one of the unnamed cops. Really cool little panel there. Yeah, just gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, flip the switch back to uh, Russia and whoa, this crazy panel here where Jack and Donovan jump in the rocket sled to try to take off. And the demon is above, like you said, above the pyramid. So it's got to be like 100 feet tall. It says, yeah, we we will not let you escape, Jack. We want you we want to make you pay for using us. And doesn't it look like there's a guy in the left hand of the demon? Yeah. You know, it took me a long time. I have to tell you, I saw that and I was like, what is he just carrying around a dead body for fun? I think that's Vanessa. I think that Vanessa is oh. being carried by this thing to like bear witness to her revenge. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's like, you know, maybe, you know, she's like psychically like, pick me up, demon. I want to see this and come with you. Yes. <laughs> yes. But yeah, we got some good detail here with, uh, you know, the, the rocket sled trying to take off and just the, the ground opening up. And you figure this is like in Siberia. So usually it's like white and snow and ice, but they drew it like it's, you know, like a, a volcano here, right? Yeah. I think, again, this is, I, I you know, it's like Old Testament time, right? This is angry God who is like laying waste to the land. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is really crazy. And of course, you know, 
Jack is kind of talking to Donovan here, although it looks like Donovan's like almost unconscious. He says, yeah. great, great. Now you decide that. Where were you when I wanted to go home? He says, no, you said I must find my wife's killers. Great big hero, man. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's great. So he's talking crap as a demon is causing like hell on earth here. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, it's almost pathetic because he says, you know, there ain't no such things as heroes, just idiots who luck out. Right. You know, mm-hmm. so, so all right. We'll see if that that, you know, pans out, Jack. <laughs> That's probably <laughs> Yeah, and I don't know if this is a gaff here by Colin and Smith with the artwork, but on page 14, it looks like Donovan uh, still has both his legs. Oh, no. Yeah, he still has both of his legs. Just one of them is bum. He loses the, the leg on page 16. Oh, okay. I thought it was already gone, but no. Yeah, you're right. It's uh, <laughs> It just uh, gets uh, spontaneously combusted here on 16. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, uh, but again, you know, here's this demon who's just like, you know, why did you tell me you loved me, Jack? Why did you make love to me when you never care? Why did you use me? Like, he has really become the focal point of her anger, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Wow. And yeah, on page 16 there, too. <laughs> Holy crap. That bottom left panel where, you know, there's more of this, like, fire and, like, earthquakes almost and crap going everywhere. And the pyramids like being destroyed. And there's one, two, three, four, at least four people that are just like flying around, getting tossed around by all this chaos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so that's it. So that, this is, this, this is that page I was talking about. First of all, as you said, Donovan loses his left leg, right? You know, like, you know, mm-hmm. you just see his, his boot, <laughs> you know, and then it <laughs> says the chasm beneath science city grows 500 die within seconds another thousand will shortly follow. So she basically, remember how like, um, when we first met Science City and, and Wolfman was like, there were 300 cafeteria workers. There were like 50 janitors, right? Oh you yeah. So, so, you know, if we should count up what their staff was because they're all dead. Nobody is making out of this alive. No, it doesn't look like it. I mean, if somebody does, it is really, they, they should play the lottery the next day because they're the luckiest person on the planet. Yeah, yeah. And again, you know, Wolfman just does a great job here. You know, if there is a God in heaven, surely he must cry. If there is a Satan in hell, surely this is his night of vengeance as like Vanessa just tears this place apart. Yeah, it is really crazy. And then all you have left basically then is, you know, just some snow and some ice and everything. And it, the demon picks up Jack and, you know, it, it doesn't look good for him at this point, but he does eventually, you know, uh, I wouldn't say bargain with this demon, but talk his way out of getting killed here. Right. No, that's the whole thing. Right. She talks about how she is like the primal hate that it, that lurks within every human because like humans treat each other horrifically. And he basically says, I really loved you, right? I love you. I didn't know how to tell you. I didn't know how to ask, but, you know, um, but, you know, I truly am in love with you. You have to believe me. Mm -hmm. And then on page 18, I really love the visuals here, especially on the top part of the page where we see the demon, but you also now see Vanessa is like part of the demon. That's great. Yes, yes. This is again the page that I would that I would take if I could own a page because it is just uh, insane. And that top panel, like you say, where you just see a hint of Vanessa's face through this demonic um, face is just great. And I will say at this point, when you see Jack begging for his life, 
I think some of what he says does ring true, and it doesn't absolve him from being a scumbag, but yeah. I do think he's that, uh, I don't want to say tortured of a soul, but he's uh, he's kind of a messed up guy. Like this this dude, if anybody needed to be going and seeing a shrink and maybe even be on some, you know, you know, meds or something, he definitely would probably qualify for that because he is like a messed up dude. Like it's not that he couldn't stop himself, but I think he's that messed up and screwed up emotionally and mentally that that kind of helped uh, push him into taking advantage of Vanessa. Yeah. You know, he talks about his toxic relationship with his ex-wife and about how she hated him and how he felt loathsome because of that. She recoiled from his touch and that when he met Vanessa, you know, he says, I've been hurt for so long that when I saw how innocent you were, I couldn't help falling in love with you. It's true. Please believe me. Now, I don't know if it's 100 percent true, but my guess is that her innocence is what kind of drew her to him in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely believe that because he's really like it, I don't want to say he's almost dead here, but he's like, you know, pretty beat up looking and in the last panel on page 18. He says, I, I didn't know what to do, Vanessa. Please believe me. I'm sorry if I hurt you but I didn't mean to, I swear I didn't mean to. And I don't know if he's really sorry because he's facing facts about what he did or he's sorry because he's about to get killed. Uh, <laughs> maybe yeah. a little of both, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. But mm. he convinces her. Yeah, he does. And he keeps saying how he, he I, God, I, I love you. I loved you. I still love you. And you've got to believe me. you got to believe me. got to believe. And then, on page 20, as simple as that, it says, then it's over, silence. And we see Vanessa in the palm of this demon. Then all of a sudden, it kind of like explodes and kabloom. And that's a crazy page right there, too. Crazy page. And I think it's kind of cool. Again, the eyes have been green um, for this thing. And mm -hmm. you kind of see them receding, right? There's like like three sets of them kind of like imploding into the center of the explosion as if this thing is dissipating. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of like losing its power because she's, you know, getting convinced by Jack that he does love her and he really didn't just use her. And, uh, you know, <laughs> the, we're going to see in these last couple of pages here, uh, poor Donovan, he's still like, you know, <laughs> missing limbs and clinging to life and trying to claw himself around here. And there's a lot of good stuff here. Like Donovan is is uh, there and he's uh, the caption reads, he has led himself uh, since he was a child. He has led to his wife. Uh, I'm sorry, led, lied to his wife, lied to his children, lied about them, and now he has lied to Vanessa. For whatever quirky reason fate has decreed, only his words could soothe Vanessa's troubled soul. Only his words could, again, make her feel love. So basically, you know, he's uh, he schnookered her into thinking he's still in love with her and did love her when he really didn't, but it was enough to convince her, so that's what stopped all this madness. Yeah, and I'm going to say, this is the page that scarred me as a 12-year-old, right? Because... Mm -hmm. He says he must spend a lifetime with this woman he does not care about. He does not love her. Yet there is that thing deep within Vanessa, that, that darkness that may again rise forth if she ever learned the truth. And Jack Gold cries, the horror is all his. The horror is all his. So he basically has to keep her placated or mm -hmm. his demon is going to leave. And so his life is basically over, right? He has to, he has <laughs> to be the doting husband, even if it's just an act. Or the doting boyfriend, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, Vanessa, she's very young, and she seems, like, pretty chill. So it isn't like, you know, he's going to live out the rest of his life uh, with some shrew that's going to be, like, right. brow browbeating him all the time. 
but he does, you know, basically think to himself, you know, what happens if I just, you know, speak out of turn or make her angry, like in the slightest or disagree with her? Is that going to be enough to set her off? And that, you know, whole scene in Russia is going to happen all over again. No, that's the whole thing. Like you can imagine, like, <laughs> she burns the toast, right? You can't say like, oh, the toast is burned, right? You you probably have to bite your tongue all of the time. And it just surprises me. I, I'm going to say, like, we've just seen thousands of people killed, people having their arms and legs ripped off, people being incinerated. <laughs> I took that like no problem. And then you read this, this thing where he's like, oh, he's going to have to live his whole life as a lie. That's the part that like 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 ate at my guts. I don't know. Maybe maybe too many horror movies as a kid kind of endeared me to all of the like crazy violence. <laughs> mm, yeah, really, right. <laughs> so uh, then we uh, flip back to uh, Baron Winter's uh, mansion here, and you know the cops are just like, "Hey, you know, uh, thanks for helping us out, but uh, <laughs> Detective Elliot says, cut the crap, Winters, and you're coming downtown with me." And all of a sudden. Uh, he sees uh, another guy enter the uh, room here, which we've never seen this guy before, but he says his name is Whistle, and he says he's Baron Winter's attorney, right? What's what's up with this guy? Yeah, I mean, uh, he looks like he's stepped out of the past, and knowing what we know about the house, he probably has stepped out of the past. Mm-hmm. And he basically says to uh, Detective Elliot here, like, there's a restraining order to, or an injunction or something to, like, stop you from... Uh, harassing the Baron and taking him in. And it's like, you know, he basically says it's authentic. So he's on his way out. Now, I don't know where Dr. Rabin came from. All of a sudden, she pops up out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, she's in the doorway. Yeah, that was a little bizarre. But, you know, she wanted to uh, uh, give him uh, some uh, last bit of crap here because at this point, she's still pissed off because she thinks Vanessa is still kidnapped and in Russia somewhere or maybe even dead. And he's responsible for it. And I like how she starts yelling at him and she says, you're responsible for Vanessa Barron and you'll pay for it. And his response is, do you want cash check or will a credit card do? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's so smug. It's Mm -hmm. it's just fantastic. Yeah, sassing her to the end and she slams the door and the caption says, angry, she leaves. (laughs) (laughs) And then our buddy Whistle here says, Barron, the forgery won't fool them for long. What are you planning to do, sir? And he says, frankly, old friend, I haven't the foggiest. Uh, so that's that's it for, you know, the summoning basically here, right? Uh, we have a little bit of an epilogue here, but what did you think of the story uh, overall here, you know, uh, uh, epilogue aside? Yeah, you know, I have to say, like, every time I read it, I think I enjoy it a little bit more, right? You know, mm-hmm. it really like the scope of this is something that you could only do in comics, right? Like giant pyramids being ripped apart by energy beings that are like formed from, you know, ectoplasmic, you know, evil. Um, But what's interesting to me is that, you know, when you take a look at the way the story has progressed, it's gone from, I am having orgies to try to make an energy source because of the energy crisis (laughs) we're in in the eighties, right? Which is like the most ludicrous plot ever. (laughs) No, it's all just Vanessa and how her trauma and because of who she is has a link to this energy that we're just trying to mold in some sort of way, you know, Um, and Mm. and so there really is um, a lot of plot to get through. And then, of course, you know, this third act um, is just pure horror 
which I just loved both sides of it from the time in the, in the, with the black plague to enormous demons, just like killing people. Um, the whole thing is like really a wild ride, but just gripping. Yeah. It, it uh, again, I'll page Turner. I just, you, you kept, I, I would, this isn't something that if I had to have read, you know, any of these issues and stopped halfway through to do something else, it would have drove me crazy because I just wanted to keep seeing what's next, what's next, what's next, what's next. And that to me is the hallmark of a great story. Yeah. And you, you know, it's crazy to say, but I can't imagine any other artist that I think could pull off what this story was like, you know, believe it or not, like I said, like, what if George Perez drew this? And it's like, no, I don't think Perez could draw this. Right. Like it's, no. it's a little bit too loose. Right. It's very ethereal and weird and misty and things like that, that anybody that's got a very defined line is not going to be able to capture what the scenes are supposed to capture. So this is like just, you know, just let me take Gene Colan and inject it into my veins. Right. This is just mm -hmm. him at his purest. Yeah. Him. You know, I, I, I always think you know, as you know, Gene being more of a Marvel guy and kind of to me in my brain, I think of, well, who's his kind of counterpart at DC, which obviously this was, you know, DC, but he did a lot of work for Marvel. Uh, I always kind of think Jim Apparel kind of has a similar style to Gene. Yeah. Um, but other than him at this time, I, I don't think anybody could even touch this other yeah. than maybe Apparel. And, you know, you look down the road, it's like, you know, there have been some artists that have come along that have, I don't want to say they've, uh, intentionally tried to uh replicate gene colin's work but like a tom mandrake some of these artists yeah. that came a little like that next generation some of them very much to me look like his work uh and uh, they're great uh but that of course was you know years after this so yeah this this again just like tuma dracula to me this was made for gene colin yeah yeah the only person that i thought of in in my mind that could do it would be somebody like bilson kevich at his most experimental like when he mm. first went to do new mutants new mutants was like totally bizarre looking um, demon bear and all yeah yes yes but but i just gotta say like again this like you say not only was it a page turner but there were also times that i said like I'm just going to stop and look at this page for a while because it's just so bonkers. You don't want to just blow by the art to read the story. You really want to, you know, drink the whole thing in. Yeah. And I mean, it's you really want to read every word, uh, a caption box, dialogue box. You, It's not one of those things where you you won't get even just looking at the artwork, which is fantastic. You don't really get the the full effect if you don't read everything cover to cover. Like literally, I could sit down and read the preview uh, through this issue in, in you know, maybe one sitting, a long sitting, or maybe even two, but I'd hate to put it down. It's yeah. just fantastic. And there's not a lot of books where I can read eight straight issues of it and, and just still be that engrossed. It's almost like when you read a novel, that's how you, you are, not really comics. Comics is like, oh, I can read, you know, a couple here and a couple there, but to try to read eight of the same thing in a row, it's kind of tough, but I don't think it is with this. Yeah, yeah. I think that Wolfman does a good job pushing this thing through and kind of like building momentum as we go from like what seems like a very small plot to something massive. Absolutely. So yeah, great, great story so far. So there was a, an epilogue here. We'll we'll just touch on that lightly and uh, we won't even go over the cover or anything like that because basically the cover for Night Force number eight here, uh, which is uh, March 1983 cover date, that has to do with the next storyline. So we'll save that for our next episode. But uh, why don't we talk about quick uh, the uh, epilogue here 
for the summoning. We see uh, Detective uh, Short and his uh, coppers here, and then all of a sudden they're realizing, oh, crap, this is a forgery. So now we got to go back to Baron Winter's mansion, and they head back there, but uh, we see Jack, Donovan, and Vanessa are all on their way uh, over there, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, the Baron is like, you know, I don't. I, the fact that the world is still existing makes me think that my night force is, has been like successful. But, um, but who the heck knows? You know what shape they're in, um, and he has his own worries. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I love how too. It's not a very big panel, but on the bottom of page two, there where we see some cars going up and down the road and the Capitol building in the back. I yeah. really like that. And yet, there's a little caption box that says, "Meanwhile, three miles away, weaving through Washington traffic, and there's a cab, and it says." Sure, you don't want to see the Baron Donovan. And then we look inside the cab and it's uh, Jack talking to Donovan. And Donovan's like, no, I just want to go home. I just want to see my son. I want to you know, put this behind me. And wow, again, we <laughs> we see uh, a, a crazy, sexy image here on page three of Jack uh, thinking back to when he was having sex with Vanessa. And he's uh, he's monologuing to himself here about, you know, like we already alluded to how his life is pretty much uh, going to suck going forward. Yeah. And, you know, like it's we're going to see it a couple of times in this brief epilogue. Right. So she's got like this goofy smile on her face and she's like, we've got each other, Jack. I love you. And he's like, yeah, period. I love you, too, Vanessa, (laughs) period. Right. Like you can just tell he better he better put on a better show than that. Right. But but he does say it. He's like, I can't I can't let her unleash those demons again. So I have to pretend to love her right back forever. You know, and again, you see the smoke coming out of a cigarette squint. You can see a little bit of a demon face there. Right. Just like a reminder, mm-hmm. you know, you better put on a good show. <laughs> yeah. And he basically says, like, no, I don't love her. I, I like her a lot, but I don't love her. But, you know, I'm screwed. And he goes, uh, he goes, you took Vanessa off your hands and you forced her on me forever. And then he's like forever because <laughs> you know, he's yeah, so he's yeah. he's blaming the baron at this point which again is like uh no the baron didn't sleep with her you did you idiot yeah exactly exactly <laughs> and there's a nice little scene here with uh donovan when he uh meets uh, meets back up with his son and of course uh, his son you know can you imagine seeing your dad show back up and he's missing an arm and he's missing a leg you're just like you know he the kid probably be in tears yeah yeah you know i don't even know how he's propping up that the the crutch on the left right but uh yeah they do a good job of kind of like not really showing that side of him but you can see the remorse that he has right where he's like you know all i cared about was my work all i cared about was like making weapons and finding demons and but no more of that you know i'm just going to concentrate on being a father so i guess lessons learned you know uh life and limb as it were Mm, yeah that's that's a it's a good scene but yeah and then (laughs) Here we go. Here's uh, uh, Jack and Vanessa. And they're like, uh, oh, Jack. And God, I love you. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's like, you know, he's just like, you know, looking away from her. Right. Like he, you can you can just feel how icy the whole thing is. But there mm-hmm. we are. Yeah. And she says, I sense the Baron's in real trouble. And he thinks to himself, she can s- sense it. God, that thing, that evil, it's still inside her. It really is with her just waiting to come out again waiting for me to make her mad damn and he fires up a heater <laughs> yeah that's it you know like i said this is delicious honey right no matter what's going on or, <laughs> yeah, i'd love to see your mother um <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah so the the fuzz shows up here at uh, baron winter's house and they're like hey pal 
you know, we're going to arrest you. You know, we realized that was a forgery. And, you know, it looks like things might not go the Baron's way here. But then uh, Jack and Vanessa show up and they're like, oh, hey, how's it going? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that, that's the end of the warrant, because uh, obviously that was based on her being kidnapped. And if she's not kidnapped anymore, you can't really arrest them or bring them in for questioning or anything like that. Yeah. And, you know, Dr. Rabbit to her, you know, I mean, she hugs her. She's very happy to see her pay. Right. She's like, oh, you know, you weren't kidnapped. Everything was OK. And she's like, yeah, you don't know. So, you know, it shows that that, you know, she cares about about Vanessa. Um, but what do you think of that last panel on page seven? Just, <laughs> just chilling, right? Yeah. The way Gene and Bob Smith drew this. It almost because up until this point, Vanessa just looks like some lovesick, you know, 21 year old. But on that panel, she says, oh, Dr. Rabin, Jack and I, we're getting married. Everything's so perfect. And he goes, yeah, perfect. And she's looking at him, but she has this crappy grin on her face, almost like she knows he doesn't really love her, but she's going to torture the crap out of him. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's that she's just like deluded and thinking that she's as happy as he is and she's just smiling or whether or not she just knows I'm going to have a perfect life because he's going to toe the line and make my life perfect. But everything with him, I just love it. Yeah, period. Perfect. Period. Right. He doesn't <laughs> hug her back. He doesn't have his hand around her. Right. It's it's just he is just going to be miserable. Yeah, I hope he can do better than that over the course of a long marriage. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> but, yep, they're back, and everything's all great here. And uh, I love how Vanessa says to the Baron, Oh, Baron, it's just wonderful. Thank you for introducing me to Jack. And Jack has his pissy face on, and he says, You have yourself one special woman, Jack, my boy. And he goes, Yeah, tell me about it. And he says, yeah. be, cer be certain to take good care of Vanessa. You wouldn't want to risk upsetting her, now would you? As if he knows, ha ha, yeah. you're in for it. Yeah. <laughs> Scoot now, both of you enjoy yourself. I'm so pleased this has worked out so well. <laughs> it's like, oh. Mm. And another oh. reason they let the Baron off the hook was because uh, the, the whistle guy, his uh, lawyer, confessed to being the one that, you know, forged everything. And, you know, Baron Winters had no knowledge of it, nothing to do with this. So the cops are like, all right, well, have fun, Winters. We're arresting your lawyer. And they put him in the back of the car, turn their backs for a second. And then Detective Elliot turns back around and he's gone. Yeah. It's so good. It's just so great. You know, um, I just have to say, remember, like, it was probably an issue two or three where the Baron, like, opened up the book of all of his agents, and it's like, oh, that guy died. Oh, that guy is still in recovery. Oh, that guy, right? <laughs> and so you yeah. just get the sense that, like, he has a mission. These are, these are um, you know, tools for him to use. They're not people. And if, like, somebody gets their arm and leg ripped off and if somebody has to have a miserable life, doesn't matter, right? It's the bottom line. He doesn't care. So uh, don't get recruited by him. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah for real. And then uh, Rabin has it out with uh, winners one last time, and then she hits the road. And then all of a sudden, out from these curtains, he peeks his face through these curtains here, that whistle, and he says, Baron, is it safe? He says, of course, Mr. Whistle, come out. And I thought to myself, so who is this guy? Like, is this guy some kind of, uh, you know, teleporter or what, what kind of like hoodoo does this guy have that he disappeared that quick and was back in the house? Yeah, yeah. I have no idea. He kind of looks like Ben Franklin at the bottom of the page. And I don't know if that's <laughs> on purpose, but um, he but does. He, yeah. He's anyways. You go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I love how, too, he's uh, the Baron's walking away and he says, again, I thank you for your help. Ever since the Hellfire contract, you've been an excellent aide. And he says, thank, think nothing of it, sir. You've helped me with my missus so many times. 
Besides, sir, I enjoy the idea of being arrested. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Almost 200 years after my death, because you see that last page, he's like going into like, you know, colonial America or something. Yeah. And I'm wondering if there's something to that. Is that supposed to be Ben Franklin? Because that kind of is what he looks like there at the bottom of the page. Yes. And didn't Gene Colin? Maybe not. There's definitely a Doctor Strange story. Oh, where, yeah. <laughs> where Clea has sex with Ben Franklin. So maybe again, <laughs> this is like Gene saying, like, my boy Ben Franklin, let me, he's an agent of Night Forest and he's getting busy with Clea. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they should, he should have drew her in the background here enough that you could just kind of tell it was her <laughs> that last yeah, panel. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so great epilogue here, but yeah, great story overall. Really, really enjoyed this one. Can't say enough good things about it. And, you know, right now on the DC app, you can only read the first four issues. I guess at some point there was some kind of like 100 pager that they reissued to, you know, uh, let people know that this even existed <laughs> before they put out a trade, I guess. And you can read at least the first four issues on there. But I I, I just tweeted it out the other day. There's a, a site that had this uh, collection for $15. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm thinking 15 bucks for this collection. I think it was a 30 or $40 collection. I'm thinking... 15 bucks is no excuses. Get out there and get this collection. I think it was Hamilton Books is the name of the site. That's uh, I bought from them and they're, they're pretty good. Yeah, I'll tell you, you know, I don't know how people, you know, if you keep a list of the comics that you're looking for on your phone when you go to conventions, but I always see these in dollar boxes or 50 cent boxes. Totally mm -hmm. worth it. It's a steal if you see them in the bargain box, even just for the art, even if you pick up one random issue, totally worth it. Yep, absolutely. And I, I would say, you know, for sure, get, get, a, get them all, even if it takes you some time, you know, that's what it took me quite a while to get them all. Um, but yeah, I just think, and, and or if you're, you know, you're cool with trades, get a trade, you can get it all, yeah. all 14 issues, boom, right in one shot, the previews in it as well. You'll have the complete, you know, uh, story that they were able to tell back then. So yeah, definitely get it. But all right, man, well, that's going to wrap us up for this episode and for the, for the summoning. And then, uh, you know, we're going to finish her off here with these last uh, six issues and the uh, beast is the storyline. So we'll get into that on our next one. But yeah, fantastic stuff here. I'm, I'm really loving this. Yeah, yeah. And I can't thank you enough because, you know, um, I hadn't revisited the story in a couple of years. And I was like, oh, I just read it well, like, you know, a handful of years ago. Um, uh, you know, is it just going to be a retread? But I'm telling you, man, every time I read it, like the art blows me away, like it's brand new and I see something more in the story. So I can't thank you enough for uh, inviting me on to be your co-host for this book. Oh, you bet. Well, thank you for agreeing to be on, man. This has been a blast. And yeah, I, I literally, while I was reading this, thought to myself, I could pick this up again in a few months and read it again, and I would still enjoy it. it it's You can just tell, even after you read it thoroughly, just one time, there's you know some, uh, there's some rereads in your future with this. It's that good. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. So, all right, well... That's going to wrap us up for this one. And once again, thank you for being on, man. I appreciate it. And uh, I'm going to duck out of here quick and uh, have a little break and be back to wrap things up. For great Halloween fun, pick up some spooky decorations at Walgreens. Just $7.99 each. Scary sound-activated Halloween figures, battery-operated pirate skull, witches, skeletons, and more. Stock up on Halloween candy, too. Walgreens has a wide selection of treats and goodies of all kinds. And it's time to order your holiday photo greeting cards. Put your favorite photo on any of six beautiful designs. All orders include a free marker pen. Treat yourself to savings this week at Walgreens. Thank you. 
episode. Once again, I want to thank Dr. Ranch for being on the show and you know agreeing to do this with me. And we're definitely going to finish off uh, Night Force, uh, the first volume here, uh, in uh, due time. Uh, it won't be too long. You know, maybe after uh, you know Halloween, maybe after the holidays here, we'll we'll sneak it in or somewhere around the holidays. We'll see how things go schedule-wise, but we're definitely going to do that. And then uh, we have a couple other things on the uh, back burner we're also going to tackle eventually down the road too. you know, maybe a Brave and the Bold as well. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening. Thank you.